Please take your Bibles and go to John's Gospel, John chapter 17. Probably one of my favorite chapters in John's Gospel, maybe it's yours as well. John chapter 17, in that black Bible in the chair in front of you if you need a Bible. Go to the back of page 87, page 87 on that black Bible, John 17. You'll find John 17, and this morning... Uh, we're going to study the first eight verses. I think the last time I preached this years ago, I, I think I did a whole chapter. I think I split up maybe in two messages. I think I actually did the whole chapter. I don't remember. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> I'm doing it in three messages, one through eight, nine through 19, and then 20 through 26. So it's been three weeks in John 17. Just some real important truths that you see here. And really, this is the Lord's Prayer. If you want to, this is actually should be called the Lord's Prayer in John 17. So let me read the first eight verses. These things Jesus spoke, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, in order that the Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all flesh in order that all whom you've given him, to them he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, verse 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one whom you've sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on the earth, accomplishing the work which you gave me in order that I may do. And now, glorify me with yourself, Father, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I revealed your name to the ones, the men whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they've come to know that everything you've given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I gave to them, and they received And truly understood that I came from you. And they have believed that you yourself sent me. Watching NFL highlights this past year, I loved watching two actions after a player would score a touchdown. First, I loved it when the player would jump up into the stands and letting all the fans like pattern, you know, like, you know, patting his helmet and his shoulders and everything. I, I loved that because, I mean, he's there for them. He's like sharing that glory of the touchdown, right? I mean, he's sharing that. So he goes, jumps up in the stands and they're like, yeah, yeah, it takes a moment to do that. I, I love to watch that. And the second thing, though, I love to watch. After the player would score a touchdown, he would share the glory with his other teammates instead of just doing his little glory dance. He would hug the other guys, but especially when the running back would run in for the touchdown, it it just meant something when that running back would go to the offensive linemen and hug them and congratulate them. He was sharing that glory because it wasn't just him. I did that touchdown. He understood. It was the whole team, especially that offensive lineman. Those offensive linemen, they're the ones that open up that hole for that running back to go through. If they don't open that hole, you ain't going nowhere. 
So he goes over and shares that glory with them. I'd love to watch that, sharing that glory with those offensive linemen. Jesus wasn't just out for himself, his own glory. He wanted to glorify the Father. The Father loves his Son. He wants to glorify his Son. You see this sharing of the glory between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. As we come to this part in John's Gospel, come know Jesus. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, you should come know Jesus. Repent and trust in Jesus Christ. He'll save you, can have relationship with God. And for those of us who do know Jesus, we can come to know Jesus in a deeper, fuller way. Daily, daily, a a, a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus. So come know Jesus deeper. And today we'll see in these first eight verses of John's Gospel in chapter 17, come know Jesus in his glory and the glory of the Father. Come know Jesus in his glory and the glory of the Father. Come know Jesus in his glory and the glory of the Father. The Father glorified the Son and the Son glorified the Father and we glorify both of them by responding to their glory. The Father glorified the Son. The Son glorified the Father. And we both of them glorify How? By responding to their glory. You know, what's interesting is this prayer by Jesus really is a summation of the whole gospel. Of what you, we've just seen the past 16 chapters in John's gospel. And really what you're going to see in chapters 18 through 21 too. Because it continues on. This work of Jesus, this work of the Father glorifying the Son and the Son glorifying the Father and then the call from John to us as readers that we respond to this glory. We respond to their glory. We respond to both the Father and the Son. Here's another way to put it. The Father... Glorify the Son by giving Him authority. The Son glorify the Father by obeying and revealing Him. We glorify both of them by obeying, knowing, receiving, understanding, and believing. This is how you can sum up these first eight verses. And really, The chapter here in chapter 17, really, you can sum up John's gospel. Actually, in chapter 17, we'll see that Jesus prayed that his mission would glorify the Father. And he also prayed that as a result of his mission, his followers would be preserved from evil. They would see his glory. They would share in the Trinitarian love And then they imitate that same love with other Jesus followers. 
As we're going to see in chapter 17, Jesus is going to pray for this. In short, Jesus prayed for his glory, for his disciples, and then for the church. Or to be very specific, he prayed for us as a local church body, Cottonwood Bible Church. Jesus completed the work the Father gave him and then prayed for its fulfillment through these 11 disciples and then all future disciples. That's what you'll see in chapter 17. Jesus consecrated us to God so that we would give them glory. We would trust in their protection and their provision and plan. We would share in their joyful love and accomplish their mission for us to the world. So I'm summing up John 17 holistically for you. God's mission was consecrated to be our mission as Christ's body, and it will never fail because it's sanctioned by the Trinitarian God. God's ultimate purpose is His glory, and this glory is primarily and ultimately revealed in the Son's identity, the God-man, and in His mission, the cross and His glorification. God's glory is accessible to us as humans. How? Through Jesus. He's the ultimate final revelation, final disclosure of God. How? And how is this in Jesus? In his identity and mission. Identity and mission. You see that throughout John's gospel. So let's work through the text, these first eight verses. Notice how it begins these things Jesus spoke, he's just talking about chapters 13 through 16, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. The hour of glorification has come. The hour, the time when Jesus would go to the cross. But it will also include his glorification when he's resurrected, when he's ascended. His whole time on earth has been this focus, has been pointed in this direction. This, this was his mission. This was the Father's mission for him. I mean, it started all the way back in John chapter 2 with everything happening with turning water to wine and he said to Mary, his mother, my hour has not yet come. Now he says here, it's come. Uh, the, the religious leaders, they tried to seize Jesus, but John would tell us because his hour had not come. His hour had come. The hour of his glorification has come. And look at what Jesus says again, verse 1. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Glorify the Son, so that the Son may glorify the Father. This is where we get the statement. The Father glorified the Son. The Son glorified the Father. Jesus prays for that. So again, this, this is a summation of really the whole gospel. That phrase, glorify the sons so that the son may glorify the father. That's what you see throughout John's gospel. Jesus would never say anything outside of what the father wanted him to say. Jesus would never do anything outside of what the father wanted him to do. And it was the father who sent him. Because Jesus was the, was the expression of the love of God, the expression of a revelation of God. So this phrase, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, 
This is John's gospel. Now, three questions arise from the text. We're going to answer that. Three questions. Question number one, and Jesus will answer them. How did the Father glorify the Son? Look at verse two. Just as you gave him authority over all flesh. This gives further explanation of verse one. Glorify the Son, the Son may glorify the Father. How does the Father glorify the Son? Jesus tells you the way that the Father glorified the Son was by giving to Him authority over all flesh. Or your translation might say all mankind or all humanity. Jesus is the sovereign one. He controls all because He created all. It's given to Him by the Father. This takes us back to the prologue. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things have been created by Him. Nothing is coming to being that is not coming to being without Him. Jesus is the one who created it. So how did the Father glorify the Son? He glorified by giving Him authority over all flesh. What's the purpose for that? Look at the next part of verse 2. So that, in order that, here's the purpose. All the ones whom you've given to him, to them he may give eternal life. The gift of authority to the Son was for what purpose? So that all those whom the Father gave to the Son would be given eternal life. All of it ensuing upon the Son's obedience to the Father's plan of the hour. We'll see that in a moment. But here's the idea. This is what Jesus is saying. The Father glorified the Son by giving Him authority over all flesh, and the purpose was that the Son was granted that authority over all, so He may give eternal life to a select few. Who? The gift given to Him by the Father. A select few, a few people. There was this gift that the Father gave to the Son. And so He gave Him all authority so that those ones that give, that the Father gave to the Son, the Son may give to them, to those select few, not all flesh, to those select few, eternal life. That's what Jesus just said. Put it another way. The way the Son would glorify the Father would be given eternal life to those who are gifted to the Son by the Father. This is not the first time Jesus has brought this up. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. John 6, 39. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that of all he's given to me, I lose nothing. Friends, once again, we're faced with the truth of the doctrine of unconditional election. Jesus elects people, the Father elects people to be saved. 
Jesus only gives eternal life to those who are gifted to him by the Father, only those chosen by the Father. And this also tells us something else, too. This goes along with this. Jesus only died for his elect, the gift from the Father. How else were they given eternal life? The cross. This is what Jesus is saying. It was God's plan to magnify his glory and extend his life to his chosen ones through the identity and mission of the Son. You see God's glory. To see God's glory is to be given this eternal life. It's a gift. The Father's glory is seen in the Son dying for the gift from the Father to the Son. The Father's glory is seen and the Son dying for the gift from the Father to the Son. He died for them so that He can give to them eternal life. So, to see God's glory is to be given eternal life and eternal life is wrapped up in an intimate personal relationship with the Trinity because look at what Jesus says here now in verse three. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one whom you've sent to Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, relationship with the Father and the Son. So, so what's eternal life? It's not a place. It's not going to heaven. It's not going to a place where there's no more cancer, no more colds, no more allergies, no more flu, no more COVID, no more sadness, no more being poor or having trials or being hated or conflict. That's, that's not eternal life, friends. This is eternal life, relationship with the Father and the Son. To put it another way, eternal life is the personal, intimate knowledge of both the Father and the Son. It involves the Father's identity and the Son's mission. It involves the Son's identity and His mission. To have eternal life is to know God in an intimate, personal way, which is only done through the Son. To know God, the only true God. Because there is only one God. To know God is to be transformed by God in order to love God and love others the way God loved them. So you see, here's these words, knowing God involves these words, fellowship, trust, intimacy, relationship, love. That's eternal life. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Do you have a relationship with the Father and the Son? God should cast you out, but he shows the great expression of his love in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died in the place of sinners. Come, and he'll give you his love. Come, He'll show you as we sang about his grace, grace greater than all our sin. 
come, he'll save you. This is the heart of the gospel. So this was how Jesus is explaining to us in his prayer how the Father glorified the Son. Now he's going to tell us there's a second question. How did the Son glorify the Father? See that in verse 4. Actually, there's two ways. The first one you see in verse 4. Oops, I'm sorry. By obeying the Father. Verse 4. I glorified you on the earth accomplishing the work which you gave me in order that I may do. He accomplished the work. In other words, he spoke the words and he did the works. And the work here, when he says work singular, this looks to what Jesus has already done and what he would inevitably do, going to the cross, doing all that he was sent by the Father to do, it glorified the Father because he obeyed the Father. That's why we read from Philippians 2 and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's, that's how the Son glorifies the Father. He glorified the Father by obeying the Father. And the work which the Son would accomplish was the very mission given to him by the Father to go to the cross. Which we'll celebrate that in a tangible, real, touch, uh, feeling, tasting way in the elements. He'd go to the shameful cross, but no, it wasn't shame, friends, it was glory. That's the, the irony. The son's horrible shame, that somebody can be praised around the world. Jesus dying for sinners in the place of sinners as a sinner would give Jesus glory and that act of obedience would give the Father glory. One writer said this, God is clothed in splendor as he brings about this death slash exaltation of his son. And how is he clothed? With glory no, with shame. No, with glory. The shameful, glorious cross. He'd be glorified because he would take the weight of sin upon himself and he would display the very righteous, just judgment of God. And just as well, he would also display the mercy, love, compassion, and grace of God which in turn would glorify the Father, showing that he was gracious to send Jesus. It's amazing. So what seemed to be defeat, the cross, it was victory. What seemed to be failure was success. What looked like to be shame, glory. This is how, how the Son glorified the Father. He obeyed the Father. Now Jesus does something here that he, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in verse five. He talks about how the Father would glorify the Son in the future, soon to be future. Look at verse five. And now, 
You glorify me with yourself, Father, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So we see, how would the Father glorify the Son? Returning the Son to glory. By the way, uh, these are not commands from the Son to the Father. Father, I command you to do this. But they're not even simple requests either. This gives us a window into the relational intimacy between the Father and the Son, and it also helps us to know how we're supposed to respond to the Father in our prayer requests as we pray to Him. The Father will perfectly complete what the Son asks, which was to return Him to His previous glory before the world was. It was glory He already possessed. He obeyed by going to the cross and the Father would glorify the Son giving Him that previous glory. So how did the Son glorify the Father? By obeying the Father. And because He obeyed, He was going to bring Him, the Father would bring Him back to His previous glory. Now there's a second way though. By revealing the Father. Oops. Why was that there? Huh. Okay. Well anyways. Uh, second, by revealing the Father. Oh, how I did that twice. That's interesting. Look at verse 6. He revealed the Father. I revealed or manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. Manifested or revealed. We just talked about that in Revelation. uh, To uh, uncover. Made known. Jesus revealed the Father to these 11 disciples. (laughs) Notice, they were taken out from the world. They were pulled out from the world. Here's the world. They were pulled out from the world. And given by the Father to the Son. So he was deliberate and intentional with these 11 men, the Father. And notice, Jesus says, I revealed your name. What does he mean, my name? It denotes the full character of the Father. So Jesus revealed everything they needed to know about the Father. So it's something that we see here, we see this principle. We see this, He chooses us and then He reveals to us what we need to know about Him so that we would respond to Him. He chooses us, then He reveals to us what we need to know about Him so that we would respond to Him, which brings us to the third question. How do we glorify the Father and the Son? So we've looked at how the Father glorified the Son. Then we looked at how the Son glorified the Father. So Jesus answered that for us. Now this third question. How do we glorify both the Father and the Son? We do that by responding to their glory. Okay. How do we respond to that glory? One, two, three, four, five ways. I'll give them to you right off the bat. How do we glorify the Father and the Son? We obey. We know. We receive. We understand. We believe. That's how we respond. To their glory. And you're going to see that in verses 6 through 8. Now, before we go into this, remember, this directly applies to these 11 disciples. That's true. So keep that in mind. And yet also keep in mind, this connects us to verse 2, 
when it spoke about the gift from the Father to the Son, because Jesus will say in verse 6, yours they were. So it indirectly applies, applies to all of Jesus' disciples. We are also part of this as well. And that's why Jesus will extend out his prayer in verses 20 through 26 for all of Jesus' disciples. So he says here, again, verse 6, yours they were, they belong to you, Father, and you gave them to me. And notice what he says, the end of verse 6, and they have kept your word. They obeyed the word of the Father in that they followed and obeyed the Son. They committed their allegiance to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who ultimately revealed the Father. Look at what else Jesus says in verse 7 about these 11 disciples, which also indirectly applies to us. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. They came to understand the Father's mission for the Son and through the Son. All that the Father gave the Son is from the Father. It's all from you, Father. And now they've come to know that. The work of the Son is the work of the Father. The work of the Father is the work of the Son. And these 11 came to a deep-seated conviction that Jesus was the final, ultimate messenger from God, sent by God, teaching His truth. And this goes for us as well. We come to know to have a deep-seated conviction of who Jesus is and his mission on dying for us. Else we would not partake of the elements. We come to know him, and that's why we take of the elements because we know this is the truth, the gospel. So again, we, we obey and then we know. Then look at what Jesus does here. He further explains what he says in verse 7 here in verse 8. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. Words denotes Jesus' message, which came from the Father. And those words reveal Jesus' identity and his mission. Jesus gave those words to them, to the eleven, and he gave them to us as well, did he not? Jesus only said what the Father gave him to say. Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. And these 11 received his words as a very true revelation of God because look at what he says next. For the words you gave me, I've given to them, and they received. Notice the other verb. So we looked at they kept, First verb, they know, come to know. Second verb, notice the third verb, they receive the words. The fourth verb, and truly understood that I came from you. Truly understood that Jesus came from the Father. And then notice the fifth verb, the end of verse eight, and they believed that you sent me, that you yourself sent me. They obeyed. They came to know. They received. They understood. They believed. 
Now, you might say, wait a minute, they understood, they believed. These guys? Uh, <coughs> a few verses later, they're all going to ditch Jesus. And a few verses later, one of these guys is going to deny Jesus. So why is Jesus saying this? As compared to the world, yes, they did obey, know, receive, understood, believed, as compared to the world. Peter said this already. We looked at this in the first hour in John chapter 6. The disciples, they left Jesus, some of these disciples, and here's the twelve. And Peter said, Lord, to who shall we go? Chapter 6, verse 68. You have words of eternal life, verse 69. And we have believed and come to know. Same verbs. Just switched. That you are the Holy One of God. They did understand. They did obey they obeyed the revelatory word that Jesus mediated to them from the Father. They did. And Jesus will next pray for these 11 disciples to stay faithful and that the Father would protect them. My friends, this is how we respond to the Father choosing us then revealing Himself to us. He chooses us, He reveals Himself to us and then we respond. We obey, we know, we receive, we understand, we believe. These are our responses, our decisions which can only be made possible because of the Father giving us, gifting us to the Son, the Lord Jesus. And we'll respond, even today, as we partake of the elements, we will remind ourselves of this gospel truth. Father, I've obeyed the gospel. I know the gospel. I receive it. I understood it. I believe the gospel. I believe you, Jesus, that you came from God, and Father, you sent him on my behalf, for my sins. You see? Again, the Father glorified the Son by giving Him authority. The Son glorified the Father by obeying the Father and, and revealing the Father. And for us, we glorify both of them by obeying, knowing, receiving, understanding, and believing And these verbs, they continue on for us. It doesn't just stop. We continue to obey. We continue to know more and receiving the word and understanding the word and believing the truth, don't we? The Father glorified the Son. The Son glorified the Father. And we glorify both of them by responding to their glory. So you can respond to their glory. Partaking of the elements and And this is open to you if you're here visiting. You come from a a church of like faith and practice and we would probably prefer by immersion, being baptized by immersion. If you come from a church of like faith and practice, it's open for you to partake as well. 
but we would encourage if you don't know Christ Jesus for you to not partake of the elements is not for you. And I would encourage you as well if you have something against another Christian or non-Christian for that matter. You have something against another Christian and you have not gone to make reconciliation with that person. First, go reconcile. Don't partake of the elements. First, reconcile. Try to. You can only do what you can do. You try to reconcile and then you can partake of the elements later. But this is a reminder to us of the gospel. These do not give us grace. The gospel is what gives us grace. It's the word of God. This points us to the word of God, the truth of the gospel in a tangible way. The gospel that you can touch, that you can smell, you can taste. You you see it and you feel the gospel. It's tangible that Jesus died. He gave his body. He shed his blood. It's a way for us to remember, a better way, a tangible way for us to remember this gospel truth. So let's stop and pray for the Lord to prepare us for this time, okay? Let's do that. And so, Father, we pray by your Spirit that your Spirit will direct us, will drive us right to the truth of the gospel. That we respond to your glory, the shameful glory of the cross, the glory of, of you, Jesus Choosing us. We did nothing to deserve this. You, Jesus, dying for us. Giving us eternal life. So may we respond. And remember our commitment and allegiance to you. We will obey. We want to know you more intimately. We want to receive you. We want to understand your word and your ways. Father, we want to trust you. We trust you, Jesus. Jesus, we cling to you only. Only you can save us. So take this time, if you would. Examine your heart. Lay it out before the Lord. And preach this gospel to yourself, O friend. Proclaim the truth of the identity and mission of Jesus. Remind yourself of this gospel truth. And as you do so, it will prepare your heart as we will remember in this tangible way as we partake of the elements of the truth of the gospel. looking forward to the time when Jesus will return to take us home. Take that time and do that now, please.